The Invictus Mind, Episode 22. Hello, this is Mike Corbell. Each and every person is a sovereign individual, born with a spark of divinity, with unique and unlimited potential. But every one of us will face unique challenges, obstacles, or roadblocks. There are systems in this world that may be built against our own best interests. Governments use force to coerce and compel us. Sometimes we build systems in our very own head. In each episode, we will look at these systems, these roadblocks, the things that prevent us from reaching our true potential. We will discuss how to break free and regain our sovereignty, how we can become the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Invictus Mind. This is your host, Mike Corbell. If you have listened to any of my previous episodes, but then by now you should know who I am and what I'm about. Up until now, I've simply reported the things I've seen and heard about the coronavirus, and have not called anyone to a specific action against the draconian measures taken by the government, who through the false and deceptive verbiage claim that they will keep us safe. Do not buy that lie. You are being socially engineered to conform and not resist. The time has come for you to learn the truth and free yourselves from bondage. Know the facts. You can spend five minutes on Google and see these things. Why are doctors who are speaking out against directives from the CDC being suppressed? Why are their messages being removed from social media like YouTube and Facebook? The CDC has at one point advised people not to wear a face mask because it will do little to nothing to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Three weeks later, they've changed their tune. In fact, the World Health Organization is praising countries like Japan and Sweden for not closing down their economy despite this pandemic. Do some research as to exactly how that country turned out. Here are the facts. COVID-19 is a dangerous virus that affects elderly people who have been compromised immune systems, and less than 1% of them are actually dying. There is evidence that the numbers and statistics of this virus, the body count, is actually being manipulated to send a message with an agenda. There are stores who are open, and they have signs on the window saying no entry without a face mask, yet at the same time the workers inside are not wearing any of them. In my town, the local police have taped up the playgrounds. They've taken the backboards down from the basketball poles and littered the park with scary COVID-19 signs. We cannot let this stand. We cannot let fear paralyze us from actions to preserve our liberties. While I am a firm believer that entrepreneurism and finding freedom through economic independence is the way to have true freedom, we must not let our basic civil liberties be lost. Every year the world faces pandemics. The flu, pneumonia, things like SARS, H1N1, MERS, they have been around and will continue to. COVID is no worse. And know this, I am not calling for violence, but protesting. And I'm not calling for you to gather together at City Hall with signs, but to apply civil disobedience. Go to those parks, tear down that tape, and let your children play. Refuse to wear your face mask, they're not going to do anything anyway. The weather is beautiful and kids should be outside. Look, as for the virus, I'm not a doctor, 
but here I'm going to speak the truth. Viruses have been around since civilization has. They are scary and dangerous and many people die. But here's how you win. We were taught when we were kids to wash our hands, to not cough or sneeze on strangers, and to take vitamins and to be outside in the sun. This is no different. If you are sick, fine, take some medicine and stay inside for a few days. And get plenty of sunlight. That's the best disinfectant. Just stop spreading fear and false information. It's time to rise up so we do not live under tyranny. Okay, my rant is over. If you are still listening to me, I consider you a friend, an ally, and one of the good people out there. Continue doing what you're doing. Spread the message of liberty and not fear. But today in a show, I am actually talking with one of those good guys who is passionate about liberty, economics, and the spirituality that human beings have. I found this conversation very enlightening and informing. I think you all will as well. My guest today started his career in forestry and horticulture at Auburn University in Alabama, but he found himself transitioning to economics when he studied under the Dr. Roger Garrison, who was then the Emeritus Professor of Economics at Auburn University. He went on to continue his career studying the Austrian School of Economics and became affiliated with the Mises Institute. After working from a significant dream in 2004, he was inspired to create what he calls the Divine Economic Theory. He has since written four books where he covers in detail macroeconomics, microeconomics, ethical economics, and true economic justice. His name is Bruce Kerber. Fine, thank you very much, Michael. Great, great. I first heard about the Mises Institute some time back while listening to a podcast, and I became generally interested in the study of economic, uh, Austrian economic theory. And uh, a little while ago on the podcast, I had a chance to speak with uh, Jeff Deist, who is the current president of the Mises Institute. Great. Yeah, you know, he did a great job introducing uh, to my audience who Mises was and. Of course, many libertarians that might listen to this message have heard of names like Mises and Murray Rothbard, Bob Murphy, some Henry Hazlitt, and F.A. Hayek. But I want to know, who is Bruce Kerber? You're new on the scene, and you have some great information that uh, you've portrayed in some books. And I'd love to little, learn a little bit more about your background and, uh, and why uh, what you have written is important. Well, I'm not really new on the scene because I actually learned about Austrian economics in 1984, so that's not really re recent. And uh, be, the way my life worked at that time, I didn't really go academically 
beyond the master's degree in economics, I, I, I took an opportunity to learn uh, to go pursue a PhD in in dryland forestry at the University of Arizona. That's what I did when I left Auburn. But uh, while I was at Auburn, that's when I became acquainted with Austrian economics. So I, from that point on, I was an Austrian economist. Everything that was my passion, and so I, I've been connected to Austrian economics, people who were in the Austrian movement, def, uh, closely connected to the, Austri the Ludwig von Mises Institute as a member and a, and, a, and a reader ever since that time. So I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily new. I might be unknown because I didn't pursue that on an academic, on an academic level, but um, Anyways, I've never been disconnected from Austrian economics since 1984, so. Well, great. That's uh, um, an amazing institute. I have not been down to that campus myself. I was invited personally by Jeff Dice when I spoke to him. So I was planning on going to Mises uh, after this COVID passes. If it oh, will good. Ever. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, I... I uh, when I was there, it was such at the such early stages, the the Mises Institute had basically a little bookstore in a small building in the parking lot of a football stadium, uh, and that's where I would go uh, every week or or more frequently uh, to get literature on the Austrian economics, and uh, so we one of the other features that was going on at that time. Uh, I was taking classes from professors, uh, and I, I, of course, tried to make sure my professors were connected to the Mises Institute, but they also had what was called the Austrian Economics Colloquium, and they would bring in speakers of uh, different kinds, uh, in, prominent individuals who were Austrians, to come speak to them. Uh, while I was there, I was able to attend some of those, and they were fascinating. Yeah, it would really... Uh... It would be a, a tremendous experience to be able to meet some of the great thinkers of the world, especially in, in, in such an important topic. But, you know, my the professor that uh, in, introduced me, I, I, just by chance, I was taking, a, I had to take economics at, at, in, the, in a master's program, and there was a lot of, you know, there's all kinds of choices that, and I just by chance, I ended up getting Dr. Roger Garrison as my instructor, and he's a phenomenal Austrian economist. He's a he's a phenomenal teacher. He's got great humor, but he and he he's developed some really interesting approaches to understanding uh, Austrian economics and how it fits and how with with regards to the other the other contemporary approaches to economics. But anyways, he was on my uh, graduate committee and basically I he was my mentor I, I would every I would meet with him frequently and I, I just think he's a tremendous uh, individual and a great Austrian economist and very very influential in my life I remember taking a economics class when I was in junior college just some 20 years ago and uh, I've come a long way since then because as we know that Austrian economic theory is uh, quite different than the traditional economic theory that they teach in school or, or regular traditional schools. Uh, uh, traditionally, economics is much more math-driven, and uh, I remember learning about some complicated equations and formulas, and it just wasn't my cup of tea. It wasn't until several years later that I learned that economics uh, as a whole is more of a, so a social studies 
uh, and an understanding of human decision rather than actual math and equations. Yeah, that's the thing about Austrian economics that uh, is so unique. It it use it looks it regards humans as subjective, and so you know the it it actually then because of that it also helps a person understand that there's more than one scientific method. You know, there's a scientific method that applies to the natural sciences, and there's a scientific method that applies to the human sciences, and that methodology that applies to human sciences is subjectivism. And so Austrian economics uses that methodology, and that's that was fascinating. So. That's one thing that sets Austrian economics apart from uh, other uh, approaches to economics. And the truth of the matter is, it's the correct way. Because, you know, again, we, if in, it's in the context of natural law. Natural law, humans are not animals. They have physical characteristics, just like animals do. But uh, there's different kingdoms. There's an ontological model is... A rock is a rock, a plant is a plant, an animal is an animal, and a human is a human. And in natural law, that's that's part, that's a definition. That's a that's an, a way of understanding things, and so that's and, and one of the nat- characteristics of humans is that they're subjective. So you, you can't have science. You know, each one of those descri- is a descriptive of a, of a scientific domain that you can work within you know you, uh, the mineral world you work in the domain the scientific domain of that which is you know natural sciences and when you get to the human realm though then then you have to apply the correct scientific methodology which is subjectivism because humans are subjective here's an interesting thing though uh, the divine economy theory is is a specialization within Austrian economics and here's why because economics again is, is is a developing science. It's it's it it reaches certain points, like they're like epiphanies that individuals have. Societies have epiphanies. Sciences have has epiphany, and one of the things when you get into this idea that humans are subjective, that's not all they are. They also are spiritual beings. Humans are not just uh, physical ex- beings and intellectual beings. Here's another distinction that fits in natural law that that really was missing in economics as it is now is is that allowing the the understanding the truth that humans are spiritual beings so that's where divine economy theory is an advancement in economics it it uh, it not only allows us to realize and and understand humans as subjective human beings but also as spiritual human being, as spiritual beings. Yeah, I think that's really what drew me to want to speak with you today, uh, Bruce. Is because uh, I do believe in that element of spirituality among humans. Uh, you know, I'm a believer myself, and a lot of people who are not. But uh, I think that uh, you're really onto something because uh, there's more to mankind than just what we see, taste, hear, and feel on Earth. Yeah, that's true. And you know, the the, the thing is. Science is always advancing, you know, and we we're, we're whether people like it or not, we're at the stage where we're moving past those things that locked us into the past, you know, and and uh, it, you know, uh, it's it's I'm not trying to offend anybody by saying that humans are spiritual, but it's a reality, and science has to represent that. Science and and religion, or science and, and that kind of understanding, are harmonious. You can't you can't stop science because of some 
belief you have. So we have to move forward. We have to understand what the reality is, and then you, and then find the method that helps us understand that reality better. Yeah, I wanted to go back to uh, where you started your career because you're talking about science, and obviously yeah. you had an interest in horticulture and forestry. And you yeah. mentioned you finished your master's degree in Arizona, and uh, there's obviously some science in learning that stuff, horticulture and uh, and, and forestry. What uh, what got you interested in that path before economics? Well, I got my degree, forestry degree at Penn State. I would I, I grew up uh, in in Pittsburgh, and I lived in this place called South Park, and there was a big park there, and I always liked to walk around the park, and I thought, oh, and I just became, you know, really interested in biological sciences, and, and then forestry was like the apex of that, and so I went in to study that, and then I went to work as a forester in Mississippi uh, for Georgia Pacific, and while I was there, I decided I wanted to work in international forestry, so which was, okay, so international forestry is use multiple products from the forest, you know, firewood, fruit, you know, all the, you know, erosion control, all those things. Uh, so I, I went back to school and got my master's degree at, in Auburn in horticulture in fruit and nut tree production. And, the, and while I was there, I met a professor who had worked in Africa. He was, did a lot of international work, and he was he he, he was looking for a graduate student, and uh, so I became his graduate student and my first class in, in that new program, a, a master's degree in that was agriculture economics. But I don't say I have a degree in agriculture economics because my first class was was Roger Garrison, and I became an Austrian economist. So all my work uh, in my master's degree was. Uh, flavored by Austrian economics. So I have a master's degree also at Auburn in economics. And and then that then I went on to Arizona to work on Ryland Forestry, but my wife got pregnant with twins and that was the end of that. So uh, that's how that happened. That's a very interesting story. So I, I, I just wonder what it would be like to sit in a class with uh, Dr. Garrison and, and just being exposed to principles that probably just blew your mind at the time, things you probably never heard of in related to uh, economics. Yeah, and the thing that was so cool about it, Roger Garrison is humorous. So <laughs> it makes the learning so much more fun. Uh, it, it was great. It was fantastic. Very cool. Very cool. So... You said, well, you say on your website that uh, you had a dream in 2004 that uh, really inspires you to create this d divine economic theory. Uh, what, what was that like? Well, you know, I, like I said, I've been, I had been, that was in 2004. I learned Austrian economics in 1984, and I read voraciously ever since, because I, not because I, you know, needed to, it's because I loved it and I wanted to. So I read a lot of uh, the literature, you know, and I just, I enjoy it, I read it. And so then when I had this dream, now the funny thing is I had this dream in the middle of the night in, in 2004, it woke me up, it was startled me. And for some reason I had a piece of paper and pencil <laughs> nearby, I sketched it down knowing that, because that myself, that I might, you know, I don't remember my dreams very much. So I just think, well, I better write this down. I wrote it down. I woke up in the morning knowing that I had a dream, but I didn't remember what it was. And I looked at this little diagram and it blew my mind. I, I mean, I knew enough to know that this was something that I'd never seen before that was had amazing content. Uh, and so then, because I was, I'm technically trained as an Austrian economist with subjective methodology and deductive logic, I, I just started 
unfolding that image. And, and it's, it's amazing because it, it, it turned into a macroeconomic model. And then as I continued, after I developed that, I looked internally in that and deductively came up with a microeconomic model. And then it has four components. It's got the, it's divine economy is the middle, meaning it's like the, that's, that's the force of economic equilibrium. You know, that's the term that's used, the economic equilibrium, that things are, you know, things are out of balance, they're brought back into balance. What's doing that, okay? Well, that, in science, that, that's, all, that's what they say, there's, there's economic equilibrium. But it's, the terminology in the divine economy theory is that's what is called divine economy, that equilibrium force. But anyways, this model, it has a, it's like a four-petaled flower with the divine economy in the center, uh, transformation in human spirit, north and south, and then east and west is law and order. So that that's the mo image that appeared to me. And so I just started developing it. So after I did the micro, I looked at the model. And there was this. There were these two other dimensions. There was this human spirit transformation. Well, that was the ethical strand. And then there was this law and order, and that was the economic justice strand. So the model just kept developing into those four phases: macro, micro, ethical economics, and economic justice. And it was a it was a seven year process of, of researching and and thinking and and writing, and that's the period that was the period that all that came about. So I wrote four books, four core books, each book on each of those topics, and that's that's basically constitutes the divine economy theory. Yeah, I looked at that model, and uh, it was. Uh, it was, it was it's very interesting. I, I love the transcendence from uh, transformation to human spirit. Uh, a lot of the people I talk to on my podcast, I, you know, I want to ask them their story from transformation. We all start in a certain place, and then whether we have an epiphany, a dream, or we just come to the realization that uh, what we know is uh, is not working for us, we have that transformation. And of course, law yeah. and order are, are constantly being uh, discussed, especially uh, from those who. Uh, who have power and authority over us, so they're always trying to define what that stuff means. So I think that uh, human spirit transformation and law and order definitely fit nicely into a uh, an economic theory. Yeah, and, you know, the, just the idea. Okay, so one of the main features that uh, subjectivism, Austrian economics, allows is the emphasis on. The role of the entrepreneur. In fact, in the Austrian economics, it's the the entrepreneurship is the driving force of the economy. Okay, and the whole concept of entrepreneurship is uh, that human beings. One of their nature, one of their characteristics is that they're that they're alert. They have the capacity to be alert. You know, they see something that needs change. That and and so. So basically what that whole thing is talking about is an epiphany. You know, every person, every time a person discovers something like that, they, at whatever, whether it's a minor discovery or a major discovery, it basically is kind of like an epiphany in their life, you know. And that's basically what I, one of the most recent ways I'm trying to help people understand about entrepreneurship is, it's not. It's nothing than the the human epiphanies that you're experiencing over and over and over. When you have them, you take action on them, and if you know if there's risk involved and you, you build something from it as an entrepreneur, it's basically it starts with this these epiphanies from our alertness. 
Yeah, I like to say entrepreneurs are definitely visionaries. And sometimes they see a problem that they need to figure out how to solve. Sometimes they come with innovations before people even realize that there's a problem. But they are taking a risk because they're putting up their capital, their efforts, their energy to, uh, to solve that proposed problem. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with uh, with divine economic theory, you know, you, you talk about divine economy is a reality and it's an essence. So uh, going back to that spirituality of human beings, I, I'm presuming that you are a man of faith, correct? That's where, that's where some of your roots come from? Well, I am. I, I, I mean, when the the period, all the periods that led up to uh, the 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 image uh, were, was I'm try, I was trying. I again, I think it's again this entrepreneurial spirit that's within all of us, and and because I actually understood the 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 real scientific nature of entrepreneurship in human beings, I I I, I wanted it to be allowed to be creative in my life. So I'm I'm trying to understand it and. And so when, you know, I, I also, I, I recognized that there was, there was something missing. As an entrepreneur, you find things are missing and need better. And so one of the things that was missing in, in economics was this ability to, to kind of separate itself or, or to go beyond the, the limitations of what science had, had the barriers that had put, been put around it. So... And because because I recognize that there's a, a spiritual nature to humans, so I was always kind of in in, in at at that that uh, that crux of trying to figure that out and and uh, living in that thinking in that terms as an entrepreneur. How can you know, there's got to be a way? And and then the dream happened. So uh, I mean, I, and, but anyways. But the what you were asking about the, uh, the 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 faith aspect is because I I am a spiritual person. I mean I I, I that's part of my who I am. Um, when I when I was and I, I wanted to be able to to bring those two together, science and religion. Yeah, religion is is something that's. It's a, again, humans are subjective. They choose to to because it, because it, it's valuable to them. That's why they have beliefs, and, and whatever the belief is, it's important to them. And and no no one no one has the right or has the ability to to know what's right for another person. And so the you know if that if that's a if that's the person's pathway, then they're 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 gaining value from it and i was gaining value from having being a spiritual person and an, and, and a, a scientific person and and so those two together was was kind of a wrestling match it was kind of a it was a dance it was something trying to uh, they were both driving me to try to resolve this thing and then the the image appeared in the dream okay so for millennia, it seems like science and religion have been very competitive. But uh, I kind of discovered, and I don't know anything really about uh, divine economics theory like you're talking about, but I've discovered that religion and science, instead of being competitive, they should be compatible with each other because right. uh, both 
both pursuits, both paths are trying to discover what is life all about, right? Right. So you can have the scientific method, you can have the religious method, uh, but both of them, if, if we understand them as a whole, we're probably going to end up in the same place. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think a, a lot of times it's been thought that, you know, there are different paths that, that you know, they, they lead to the same thing, and that's true. But what, what also is, is the case is that they, uh, they can be used to get, they can, they, they're compatible enough to be a single journey. It doesn't have to be a journey of religion to get you to understanding or a journey of science to get you to understanding. It could be a journey of science and religion to get you that journey. They're compatible all along the way, not just at the end result. They're, they're compatible means in addition to compatible ends. So you mentioned that uh, you saw that there was a bunch of barriers that science had put on economics. So let's dive a little deeper into uh, where these two converge, where science and religion converge, according to your theory. Uh, what are some of the barriers that you saw that science was not being able to answer? Well, like, for instance, here's at, at, at a, a little bit more, uh, I guess, scientific uh, path or approach. When I... When I was an study in Austrian economics, there were, and I look at Mises' writings. Some people who are atheists, they look at Mises' writings, they say, oh, he's an atheist. When I read his writings, I don't see atheism at all. I see, I see a person who is uh, making sure that everything that is record, spoken about can be understood with, with logic. But that doesn't mean that that it that doesn't have a spiritual uh, essence to it. And same thing with Murray Rothbard. Uh, they everyone claims that those guys were atheists, and and whether they did, you know, in 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 public uh, declaration or whatever that is. But their writings are not atheist. And but here's the here's the really interesting thing. Both of those individuals, and like Henry Hazlitt is another one person you mentioned. Uh, when you look at their work, they they delved into, they touched, they reached out into ethics in addition to economics, and they came into they. And I think Murray Rothbard and well Henry has it also. Those two individuals, they 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 stretched out into ethics a little further than anyone else had, with it with regards to economic theory, but they also made it clear. That it's the reason they came to a, a kind of a uh, an end in their exploration is because they they didn't they didn't have the means they didn't have what what it takes to get them into it further, um, and so that's that's why divine economy theory is an advancement in economic science and in it's a specialization and advancement in Austrian economics is because that image which developed into these models is what enables the science of economics to be regarded as a sister discipline with ethics and so it it, it broke it, it created a bridge that enables economics and ethics to be on a parallel path rather than to to to, to come and have like economics terminate and then you and then you have to go into ethics and, and go to to the end of that and terminate. Instead, they can just 
they can just they merge and they go together. So that's a pretty uh, interesting uh, uh, outcome of, of that. Okay. I'm going to take us back to uh, my understanding of the, because you mentioned logic and you mentioned, uh, mentioned ethics. I'm going to take us back to the Greek words, uh, logos, ethos, and pathos. Okay. Right. And so we know that logos means reason or proof. And uh, there are a lot of writers out there who say that logos is the word, right? Uh, some Christians will call the word the word of God, right? So that oh. is a spiritual em element there, logos. Okay. And then an ethos, where the word ethics comes from, is uh, the credibility and the trust. So uh, not only have to have backup uh, of reason and proof, but uh, to have some kind of credibility. In other words, that uh, you have credentials or you have uh, um, things that are fair for everybody. And then, of course, pathos is the emotional uh, word. So mm. we get uh, words yeah. like sympathetic mm. and uh, pathology from, from that word. And so it, it does, I, I'm just looking at this as I, uh, as I speak to you, it creates a uh, convergent triangle where everything is connected, logic, uh, ethics, and uh, pathology and emotions. Right, right. Yeah, and, and you know, the Mises says that reason and action are come from the same source. And uh, so that, you know, that sums that up too. I mean, we, we, we can't, you can't dis you can't dissect that. I mean, that's that's one of the problems with contemporary economics is they they keep dissecting things, you know, trying to go, you know, and it, and it, and it it makes it unrealistic and and in inapplicable. And when it is applied after it's been dissected, it creates problems. It it uh, causes suffering. So uh, it's, it's basically what, what you were describing is a holistic uh, understanding of, of, of human reality. And, and so the science, whatever science it is, and this one we're talking about an economic science, economic science sh should fit within that without, without being altered. It should be able to function freely as uh, in, that, in that manner. Yeah, one of the biggest challenges is, is the root of Austrian thinking is that human beings are individuals. You mentioned the word subjective, and uh, there is no one way that uh, uh, any centralized planning uh, authority can say, okay, this is going to happen every single time for every single human being, and uh, no other decisions are going to be made in between, which is absolutely false. Uh, obviously, there are millions of decisions that happen every, every minute probably around the world. Yeah, it's it's two things. It's immoral and it's and it's uh, ignorant to to think that uh, that you should manipulate the economy because the economy is is not something. It's 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 a it's the way it's way humans uh, interact with each other. It's the way they voluntarily socially cooperate, and 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 it's uh, and it's you can It's not able to be. Uh, put into a number, you know. It it it's it's and because it changes all the time, it's dynamic. It, it's complete. So the only 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 true approach to economics is laissez-faire, and laissez-faire is 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 ha has one weakness, and that is that it didn't it didn't have a moral foundation. And it's it had a it had a logical foundation. You could say, well, this is the best way to do it, and here's why, but 
that's where that, that's why divine economy theory is 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 the uh, is the basically what gives re re renews laissez faire but on a moral foundation that there's only one being that is all knowing omniscient omnipresent and that's god okay and 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 that's what that institution of the economy is 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 the gift that was given to humanity at its creation and for us to be in there messing around with it we're going to cause problems if we just let the providence of god work the way it's intended that's what that's that's part of what 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 we're where we're moving into a new age is where we're going to start realizing that you know, and you know, in in the Austrian economics, it's just said that that there's really no no role for for uh, politicians in the economy. That they they have no role. That's the that's the Austrian approach. And the divine economy th- approach is that all in a, economic intervention causes corruption because what it, what it what it's messing with is divine. You know, I've actually kind of distanced myself from the term uh, anarcho-capitalism. Uh, the reason why is because I, I, I'm, a, I'm thinking along the same terms that you are, um, because I see that there are many challenges that cannot be addressed by by simple uh, capitalism or uh, you know the anarcho-capitalists, even without politicians and, and rule makers and everything like that. There are definitely moral issues in society that have not been addressed and cannot address and a, a simple uh you know a simple turn to well let the market figure it out uh, it's just not sufficient in my opinion interesting um well here's the here's the uh, another thing what and murray rothbard makes reference to this and and really he clarifies this point really well is that when you interfere with the market okay so here's the here's the thing about the market the market is the place where information flows. If anything that's done, when, when there's economic intervention, it, it, it interrupts that flow of information. So how can you make, I mean, even though we're all subjective human beings, we have to make inf- uh, our decisions based on knowledge. And that fl- knowledge only gets to us if there's a flow. If, if flow is interrupted, then, then we're deprived of the knowledge that we could have had to have made the right decision. Okay, so that so that's where that creates a problem. Anytime there's economic intervention, it disrupts that flow. And then that flow, that disruption of flow cascades out, and then there's all kinds of errors that wouldn't have been there if it hadn't have happened. But here's the other thing that Murray Rothbard mentions that's really interesting, is we, as human beings, develop ethically. It's not just some magical thing. It's, it's, it's just like, and, and where, do we, where do we get that? We get it from our interactions in the market. It, we get that from our interactions with one another. You know, we, we, no, none of us wants to make the world worse. We, every, every individual wants to make the, the world better for themselves and for the ones they love. So, I mean, and that, and that all, all mutual kind of experiences that everybody's having. So we develop, we evolve ethically when the market is in place, functioning the way it's supposed to function. So uh, there, I think sometimes we, we have an ideal in our mind, this is what it should be like, and okay, but we don't know that. 
We don't know. Uh, we, we what we do know is we're always going to advance. We're always going to be, become better. And who knows what you had in mind? Maybe. 200 years down the road, or it may be 50 years down the road, or it may be off the mark, whatever it is. But what, what happens is we, the only thing that would make us move forward is if we can develop ethically. And the only thing that helps us evolve ethically is if we have the ability to, to we, we, the flow of knowledge is good. You know, and so uh, there's merit to the idea that, yeah, the, Free market is is what will bring about the changes we need as a as a human civilization, because that's where we develop. Because then our our ethical development advances properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one would then just question where people get ethics from, because we can get ethics from our observation of how the market works. Mm-hmm. We can get our ethics from the teachings that our parents gave us or our community or our faith that we practice. All, all those things can derive our ethics. But uh, at the very basis of human beings, not only do they act, but they also act self-interestedly. And so that's where the problems come into place because we can learn how to communicate with the people. We can learn how to avoid people that we don't uh, – we feel threatened by. But at the end of the day, politicians, uh, entrepreneurs, individuals, they act based on their own self-interest. And so sometimes those were, that's where lines are crossed and, and ethics can actually intrude on other people because what you see as ethics – and I'm not using you directly. I'm just uh, saying what one person sees as ethics uh, and another person sees as ethics, they, they, will, uh, they will interfere with each other. And that's where, uh, that's where we get problems. Yeah, well, a couple things there. First of all, you mentioned politicians, and and that that's the same as economic intervention. They those are synonymous terms, and so uh, of course, when 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 you have the state, which is a, another synonym, when you have the state, the ethics is going to be a problem because you know they're serving their self interest, but their self interest is control and power. Okay, so that's all. All of a sudden, that's going to disrupt everything. Plus, the flow of information. You know, ethics is going to be atrophied during that period. So, first thing we have to do is we have to be aware that you know that that whole th- structure is is uh, contrary to ethical development. The other thing, point I want to make is the true ethics. Uh, so individuals, when they're interacting in the market and, and interacting amongst it, voluntarily socially cooperating, their ethics is evolving. And that's happening for everybody all the time, all everywhere. But at the same time, uh, we're not, a, we, the, the thing is, there are divine ethicists that come to humanity that lay the foundation that, that we then used as we move along. So like, for instance, Moses, Jesus, uh, all the messengers of God that have come, they're divine ethicists, and they, they, they bring like the, the word of God, they bring what it is needed to, for the next, found, as a foundation for us to move forward from. And so, I mean, in addition to our individual evolution as with, with ethics based on our interaction with one another, we also have this foundation that is built upon that, that moves us forward too. And that, can, you know, a lot of times, you know, again, we're talking about, well, 
with messengers of God, all of a sudden people who are atheists say, well, I don't agree. Well, I can't help that. I, I mean, you can't, you can't deny history. I mean, it, it, it happens. It does. It works. I mean, it's, it's a reality. And you can, a person could, you know, deny it. That's their choice. But I'm, I'm not into that. I, I'm, I'm trying to understand science and, and how, how science advances. And science advances by what 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 humans in, encounter and experience and grow from, and they 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 encounter and experience and grow from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can have conversation about uh, the validity of religion and God and, and atheism, but uh, in my opinion, most people who are true atheists that's uh, that's a religion of themselves. You know, they they believe that so strongly. And uh, I, I think somewhere north of 95% of people believe in some type of God, right? You mentioned ethicists that come around the way. And you, yes, from a Christian perspective, there's Moses, there's Jesus, but then there's also Buddha and you know right. Muhammad and, 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 right. and various other teachers. Uh, my opinion is that those, all those sources of information and, and teachings of ethics, they came from one central source. They weren't just, made up. They weren't just made up. Right. Yeah. So again, we we use the word word of God. Well, the word of God is what you know. He, God is unknowable, unvisible, beyond our comprehension. The Creator, we, and we're the creation. A painter can't a paint a paint a, a painting can't understand the painter. You know, we can't we can't bridge that. But the way it's bridged is God speaks to us. He speaks to us through His Word, and His Word becomes manifest as and and and. and you know, in in terms that we can understand, so he sends a messenger of God, and they speak his word. They they give us his laws. They tell us what he's what what we are like, what who we are, what our relation is to is to God, and then that moves us forward. Because prior to that, if if that hadn't happened, we'd be lost. So. And God knows that, and He's He's He loves us. He knows that we 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 have we have to evolve. We can only I mean He can't tell us things now. He can't two thousand years ago if He said what He says for, for us today, it would have we wouldn't they wouldn't be able to comprehend it. So we 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 change, we grow, and at and every at every epoch. A messenger of God is sent to to give us the message, the same message, but in word, in a way that we can that is comprehensible to for the age in which we live, and then that moves us forward. Then that's the divine that's the role of that divine ethicist to do that for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting information. So not to get too deeply spiritual here, but you know, if one would believe that there is a a God, and one would believe that uh, we get our morality and our ethics from those teachings, then one would have to assume that there's also an enemy, uh, one who teaches selfishness, one who teaches uh, control and authority and force, and, and one who you say, you know, we've defined it many different ways, uh, the state, the government, politicians, but those who are self-interested in pursuit of power and, and control over others. Yeah, that's our lower nature. We humans. Here's another thing. This is in Austrian economics, but it's also in classical liberalism. It's also in Aust, uh, in religion. Uh, humans, and it's also in natural law. Humans have a dual nature. They can be spiritual, or they can be the opposite of spiritual. They can be, you know, worldly, carnal. Uh, you know, we could be the we could be the most vicious of all animals, 
or we could be the uh, an angel, you know, as far as the the qualities that we have. We can be kind and generous and merciful and beautiful, beautiful and uh, uh, just all the the wonder, wonder, wondrous names of God we can we can have and possess, and that that's our higher nature. Or we can be have our lower nature, and the lower nature is is the evil that we're against. So the state is is a, is an is a manifestation of that evil because again, this system. This, the divine economy is in place for us, and it was created for us, and it's a gift to us. And okay, and what's its enemy? Its enemy is humans who have finite knowledge, who who try to use their their lower nature of of selfishness, lust for power, lust for control, to to undermine that divine economy. Okay, and so, and, and where does that manifest? That's manifest, any, throughout history, it's taken different forms, but it's, it's culminating in this, in this state, you know, that, 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 they're, that they, they believe, you know, so you were talking about atheism as a belief, well, statism as a belief, too. They believe that they can make the world better by, by interfering, and really, what wake, make the world better is make the world better for them and their friends <laughs> is basically what it is, and because uh, their vision is is limited. I mean, and 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 they they're ignorant. They don't understand that they don't have the ability to to make a decision like that because yeah, every human is is unique. So that's the enemy. The enemy is is the lower nature, and and the lower nature is manifest at at, at a large degree in our lives as the state the state doesn't would not exist in the divine it does not exist in the divine economy and it will be eradicated by the divine economy theory i think back to a book i read probably uh six or seven years ago uh the author was leonard reed oh and uh he it was a short it was i guess it was more of a pamphlet it was about 50 pages long but the, the book was entitled the free market and its enemy and I think you did a good job explaining uh, what the enemy uh, to uh, uh, divine economic theory is and in, in, in free market principles. Right. So one of the things that I'm trying to tie together with my podcast is uh, the um, the idea of, of merging the great thinkers of the world with the great doers of the world. You, mm. you said action a couple uh, uh, times already today. and. There are people who sit there and, and, and they think of great ideas and, and, and they have great teachings and, and they might take some action and putting them down on, onto paper. But uh, how, how does a society such as ours, which seems to be crumbling in many different areas, how do we move to this uh, more divine economic theory that you're talking about? Are there, are there any steps that you, you see or is it just continuing to educate and hopefully someday we'll actually automatically get there? What is the pragmatic uh, vision of actually implementing this? Well, for me personally, right now, I'm I'm doing the audio books of all these books, and I ran into a stumbling block. I, I published the books as eBooks and printed books, and then I thought, well, I can't really do eBooks because uh, there's too many diagrams. <laughs> uh, so, but I, I've now discovered a way of, of basically making them. They're kind of video audio books, and I, I'm I'm doing that, which is going to be making it that available to people. And I'm I and I found a way of syndicating that, so that's going to go make that easier to have people actually access it. You know, one one of the big things for me is you know there's influencers in the world. The influencers, the reason they're called influencers is because they influence people. And so my, I think the biggest action is to, is to, is to help 
uh, it's find ways to ha- get influencers connected to the divine economy theory. You know, what is it that's, that's keeping them away? Is it because the title, divine economy theory? Oh, uh, that, that sounds like religion. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't know what's the what's the bias there that would keep them away. You know, for instance, for me. There, there, I, I've been in the Austrian movement for so long. I know, I've, I've interacted with people. I've, I, I know not. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I'm well known among them, but I, I think I at least have known by, of, by people. And why aren't these people that are Austrian economists, like for instance, this is, there's a, a, a famous Austrian economist named David, David Gordon. He's considered a, this intellectual leader. In uh, he he may you know he does all the book reviews and stuff, and, and I've invited him many many times. Well, you're doing these book reviews on you know so, you know he he runs the gamut of the book reviews, and a lot of times he's he's drawn on these socialist authors and he's reviewing them and destroying their works. Okay, that's fine, but why not why not cover the divine economy theory? I I don't know what the you know as he's an influencer. So there's people out there that are you know they they're they're influencers and. I, my my goal is to try to help influencers get connected so then they can influence other people to get connected because I, here's the truth of the matter as far as I'm concerned that I, I mean I know Austrian economics I know classical liberalism and I know laissez-faire none of them actually can cure statism they they combat it but they can't cure it the divine economy cure theory is the cure for statism and so that's a big difference and so what isn't that what all these people that I'm mentioning isn't this what they want they want they they don't I mean are they adhering to something oh it, it can only be like this I mean the divine economy theory is what people need to know to cure it and so the the influencers once they understand that get connected to it it'll make a difference that's where the action is my my goal is to try to get influencers to read the, awesome, the divine economy theory. Yeah, I mean, it starts there to, to read, to understand what your message is, and then and to use their power of influence to, uh, to, to, to speak more volume about it. Right. You know, I'm going back to what I said earlier, where I don't think that just a standard uh, market economics could solve anything. I, I, invoke, uh, I invoke religion myself personally. And mm-hmm. I and, and you made a point that uh, some of the greatest influence out there they don't I don't know if they shy away from that there are people that I know that uh, that are spiritually minded some who are Christian um, I hate to mention names but I you know I, I listen to Bob Murphy for example mm-hmm. a great Austrian economic uh, thinker and uh, on his podcast he says well I'm also a Christian and so for me personally I resonate with that because I think right. that it, that is the way to to solve the world's problems. But uh, I like what you're saying about uh, you know getting your message out to influencers. Well, I'm hoping Bob Murphy is listening to this and he'll look at the divine economy theory. I've tried to reach with him with this message and I haven't been successful. So uh, it's worthy. It's worthy of of some, looking at it. I don't even care if they say, "Oh, this is garbage," <laughs> but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to find that it's not garbage. But at least they should check it out. My gosh. Yeah, what's that? What's the harm of reading a book, right, or a couple that you've written? Yeah, or just looking at the diagrams and, and thinking, pondering what this, uh, what does this mean? How come? How come I've never seen anything like this before? <laughs> well, philosophy continues to grow, as you mentioned. Humans are always evolving, and education is always evolving. And yeah, and uh, you know that's that's the journey that we uh, that we're on together here. Yeah, I think we're at the early stages. Is what it is.
Well, hopefully what I'm seeing, because we're we're living in a catastrophe right now. There's no other way to say this, mm-hmm. right? So whether one believes in the... Uh, uh, you know, the harm that the virus actually takes or one can understand, well, the government is doing something to the economy. I think people all around, not just the, the philosophical thinkers, not just the libertarians, but people are, are starting to realize there's something not right here. There, right. There's got to be something more to the, what we're doing because um, I heard another podcast saying that, you know, this is the climax. This is the climax of the American experiment. And I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole or anything like that, but yeah. uh, I think people are realizing that, that something needs to change because what we're getting is not is not right. And the definition of insanity, as we know, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, we've we've chatted for about uh, almost an hour here now, Bruce. Uh, is there is there anything else that you want to uh, to share about your de- divine economic theory? I, I know that there's a, there's a lot involved, and I think it's probably hard to explain four books uh, in a, in an hour long episode. But uh, besides just starting with one of your books, what what is the very basic premise that uh, we should be aware of that we should consider giving deeper thought to? Well, first of all, I want to thank you. This this is amazing, and and you're you're really uh, be, uh, I consider a friend just because you're doing this, and I, I I'm grateful for it. Uh, I think I think the thing is about the divine economy theory is, is if we would ever take a minute to just think think about our surroundings. Um, and why do we have the expectation that it comes from somewhere else? You know, we, we're, we're amazing people. I mean, human beings are amazing creatures. And uh, we act, we think. Uh, each of us is unique. There should be a way that we can... Uh, you know, make this... make our reality, a reality, and and that's a very powerful thing, uh, and it's at our fingertips, and um, you know it's it's kind of been lost. The education system doesn't uh, give us that knowledge, but it's there, and we just need to discover it. We ha- we need to spend the time to appreciate ourselves and what what we have to offer and. And learn how to bring it about. Great. So, uh, if I can mention a couple of the books that you wrote, uh, um, you have more than laissez-faire, human essence of economics, ethical economics for today and tomorrow, and of course, liberty and justice of economic equilibrium. Do you have uh, more books that uh, you're publishing? You're just trying to promote those right now. What's uh, what's your next career goal here? Well, those are the four uh, core books. I, I combined the. The first two, which was macro and micro, the more than laissez-faire and human essence of economics, those are macro and micro. I combined them into one book because a lot of times, that, because these are these are also alternative textbooks for each of these subjects. So I combined the first two to uh, macro and micro economics renewed, which is a, a, a alternative textbook for macro and micro. So it's a book set. It's basically the combination of the first two. And then what I did is I, when all the books were done, I, combined, I put them all in one book set. And I gave them the title of what it really is. It's Voluntary Theocracy, Divine Economy Theory. So that book is, has all, all four books in it. 
and it's basically uh, the divine economy theory as a whole. The other ones you'd read part, 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 part. This one, it's all in one book. And that, so then what I'm doing right now, like I mentioned, is now I've figured out how to make them into audiobooks, and I, that's the adventure I'm on now. And it's really a, 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 love, a love story and a love affair. I'm, I'm enjoying it, and it's, it's, it's really, I think it's connecting with people really well. Very cool. And, and you can find, besides the audio books, books which is a pr- uh, project you're working on, is this book, Voluntary Theocracy, is that, uh, you can find it on Amazon or on a website yes. or something? Yeah, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay. My name, is, my name is Bruce Kerber, and I'm the author, so if you go to Amazon, look up that name, all those books will be listed there. Very well. Uh, I actually am going to list your book on my recommended reading list. I, I do that with a lot of the books that come up in conversation. So uh, thank you. We'll give you a little plug there. Do you have a Do you have a website or Facebook uh, anything like that? Yeah, my website is divineeconomytheory.com. Okay. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Bruce, this definitely been uh, uh, educational and informative. I I, I think I'm going to look at your book and, and kind of dive into that a little bit more because. There's many things that uh, we align on in our thinking. And yeah, I agree. I think uh, people like you need to continue getting your message out. And, you know, it's really just about marketing, right? Doing podcasts yeah. and, and, yeah. Uh, and going on shows and, and saying, yeah. hey, here's another resource for you to, uh, to think about. Yeah, and uh, I, I just want to mention this. If anybody out there wants me on a podcast, I'm all in. <laughs> That's... Uh, it's been a fun road for me doing the podcast, but uh, you know. Yeah, you're doing a great job. I appreciate that. Well, I'm going to let you go. And, Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. I know. I know we're connected in uh, in our own social media, so I'll keep yeah. up the good work, and uh, we'll talk Thank sometime you, down the road. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. Have a good day, sir. Too. Bye. I want to thank my guest Bruce Kerber for this conversation today, and thank you for sticking with me and learning how to stay free and unconquerable. Once again, don't simply take my word for what's going on. Do some research and discover the truth for yourself. Until next time, have an awesome day.